morning, church. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Well, we are in week four of our sermon series of the parables. We're dedicating some time this season to look at those stories that Jesus told as he taught about the principles of God. You see, Jesus knew that stories are a powerful way to bring understanding and perspective to a teaching. We're drawn to stories, and we are captivated by storytellers. And I don't know about you, but I can't help but be drawn in when I think about, when I imagine Jesus telling these stories and unfolding these deeper principles of faithfulness and fruitfulness. And in each one of these stories that we have looked at, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? And he's been talking about God's love and grace and that he is always at work in the little things and in the big things, that he's always moving and making room. He's always growing things into fruitfulness, always hiding away treasures in place we don't think, places we do not think to look, always giving us opportunities to increase our investment, to enlarge our reach, to be more about the things of God in our everyday lives. Last week we talked about how God's grace is so amazing and so big. And in many ways, God is not fair because he doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. You see, what we really deserve is death and separation from him, but the kingdom is about grace. It is a wide open, spacious place where God meets us time and time again with goodness that we do not deserve. And no matter how much we fail and fall short of God's best for us, God continues to show us love and grace. He's always for us. He wants to grow us to maturity in him, to walk in his ways and help others come to know him better. He recognizes that in our humanness, we sometimes step off that path. But when we come back to him, he just loves us. And because of that great love, our hearts are changed and made new and we learn from him more about love because of his love for us and that love teaches us to be gentle and kind and wise and faithful. And today, I want to jump over to Luke chapter 15 and look at the parable of the lost son. This truly is a powerful example of that love and grace that Jesus is trying to help them and us understand And this story just kind of takes us by surprise and it hits us with different emotions and it challenges our expectations and in many ways it brings conviction to our hearts as we ponder the reality of God's love for each and every one of us. Today I'm not going to read this scripture to you. Instead I wanted to allow some great storytellers to bring this scripture to life in a new way for us today. So I'm pleased to share with you this presentation from the skit guys. You ever get tired of your just boring day-to-day life? I do. I should say I did. Then I decided to do something about it. You see, conventional wisdom says you live your life, you grow up, your parents die, and they leave an inheritance for you. That wasn't working for me. I wanted to enjoy that inheritance now, so I decided to do something about it. So one day, I walked straight up to my dad, looked him square in the eye, and I said, Dad, I want what's coming to me right now. That's what my youngest son said to me. At that moment, all I could think of was, I'd like to give what's coming to him right now. But he's my son, and I love him. And as much as it put an ache in my heart, I gave him the money, and I told him that he could go search for a life on his own. Not long after that, he packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, (laughs) I was 
out of there. I had a whole world to see, right? So the first thing I did was, he got lost. My son, I love him, but he's no Magellan. I heard he had to ask for directions at least four times before he even made it out of our hometown. That's not true, okay? It, it, well, it was three times, and one of them doesn't count, okay? Because this guy that was given directions, I didn't even understand the things he was saying, and besides that, the only reason I'm not good with directions is somebody never took the time to teach me. Ah, uh, don't, don't go there. It, it, it doesn't matter, okay? The important thing was, I was out of there. And I was living the life. I had, I had more friends than I knew what to do with. I was eating like a king. I had the finest clothes and the ladies. <laughs> what can I say about the ladies? How about we not say anything about the ladies? Fine, fine, forget them. Still, the friends, the food, the clothes, it was, it was great. Until my son's money ran out around the same time the country hit a recession. It was bad. Really bad. I'd squandered everything my dad had given me, and uh, I, there wasn't any work to be found. I was about to give up, and then I, uh, well, I found a job. Uh, it was a job as a manager. Okay, it was an assistant to the manager. Fine. I was, a, I was a bacon preparation assistant. A bacon preparation assistant, and which means? I took care of pigs. It was bad. It was really bad. I mean, I had a job, but I wasn't really making any money. I didn't have anywhere to live, anything to eat. I was hungry. There were some days that I was, I was so hungry, I gladly would have eaten the slop that I was feeding those pigs. So it was, it was hunger pains as a constant reminder of how I'd squandered my life away. I, I lived in agony day after day. After day after day, I would watch and I would wait. And my heart would ache, as only a heart can from a parent to a child. But hear me on this. I never once gave up on him. I never once gave up on my child. I believed that he would return. I knew that he would come back one day. One day it hit me. One day I, I realized my dad's lowliest worker was living like a king compared to me. So I had an idea. What if, uh, what if he doesn't come back to me? What if he doesn't come to his senses? What if I never see him again? Again and again, these thoughts kept running through my mind. As I began my journey back to my father's house, I, I knew what I would do. See, I would go up to him and, and I would humbly just ask him for a job. I, I couldn't expect him to take me back as his son, but maybe he would give me a job, just Maybe. Maybe today will be the day. That was the thought that always ran through my mind. Maybe today will be the day that I will be sitting on my porch and I will look out in the distance and I will see my child making his way back home. I didn't know what that word meant until I'd lost it. 
now, I couldn't believe I was just a few hundred yards away from it. It was a beautiful day. I was sitting there on the porch, just enjoying the cool breeze. And that's when I saw him. He was sitting on the porch and um, he stood up. He, he looked in my direction and he squinted his eyes to kind of get a better look at me. I, I wondered what he was thinking. I wondered if he would take me back. I wondered if he would just look at me and say, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. Some of you would never believe me, but I knew that he would come back home. I just knew it. I knew this was a bad idea. I, I knew he was going to be angry with me. I, what was I thinking? Every step closer I got to the house, the more I knew I'd done the wrong thing. And so I just I stopped. He just stood there. I couldn't move. I couldn't just stand there, so I... He jumped. My dad jumped off the porch. And then he, he started to run. I'd never seen him run so fast. He, he, he was like, he was like this kid who was excited about something. And then, and then I realized he was excited about me. So you know what I did? You know what I did next? I ran. I ran. My heart was pounding so fast, I just had to get to him. He was running at me with his arms stretched out as if to say, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. He was so far off, I just had to get to him, so I just kept running as fast as I could. I, all I wanted to do was just scoop him up in my arms like when he was a little boy, just to let him know that everything was gonna be okay. And as I got closer to him, I could, I could see tears in his eyes. My dad was, <laughs> my dad was crying. Tears of joy. And you know what my boy did next? He jumped. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I jumped right into my dad's arms, and you know what he did? Well, I fell backwards. He, he's a big boy. And then... He held me. He held me like only a father could. I just kept saying to him over and over again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't deserve to be called your son. My son, my son is home. Get him some clean clothes. Get him some shoes for his feet. Let's prepare a meal. No, no. Let's prepare a feast. For my son will no longer live as an orphan. Today we will celebrate for all my hopes have come true. I guess so. I guess it was hope. Hope that kept me going all those days. Hope that my father would show me mercy. Hope that somehow he would take me back and that I could be forgiven. Forgiven. It is all forgiven. And it is forgotten. And I will never bring it up again. There is no anger, there is no shame, there is no blame. All that's left is just pure joy. For my child was lost, 
and now he's found. Well, as you probably already know, the father in this story represents God. The God who loves us so much that he doesn't force us into obedience and he doesn't cease to bless us even though uh, he knows that we will not honor him with those blessings. He loves us so much and he knows the balance that as parents we all search for, that, that dance between teaching our children and then giving them opportunities to put what they've learned to practice. God loves us so much and he longs for us to live wonderful and powerful lives Sometimes we miss that or even misunderstand that. And that's because we try to understand God in human terms, but he truly is a God of love and grace. He is a a God who not only allows us to come home, he is the God who runs to meet us, overflowing with joy and love and gratitude to see his children return to him. You see, that is the God that we serve. There is always a way back to his arms. He doesn't make you explain yourself. He just embraces you and pulls you close and throws a party to celebrate that that which was lost has been found. So there is a little bit more to this story, of course. For those of you who know the scripture, you'll remember that there is the matter of the father's older son, He was out in the field when his brother returned home, and he heard that party going on, and he wondered what was happening. And scripture says this, your brother has come, he replied. The servant replied, and your your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when that son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours that was dead is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So we can immediately recognize that the older brother is not happy to hear that his kid brother has returned to such a warm welcome. And would say that he's justified in those feelings, yes? For many of us, we'd probably say we know exactly how that feels too. See, that brother had been faithful. He had been wise, and now his faithless brother is the one being celebrated And on many levels, I think each of us know a little bit of what it feels like to be in each of these two brothers' shoes to one extent or another. You know what it feels like to be overlooked and to see someone else celebrated. And you know also what it feels like to be welcomed home and pulled close when you didn't deserve it. See, we can identify with this story in so many ways. And let me just take a few minutes to point out a few things that God showed me. See, the scripture here says that the father divided his property between them. And so that would suggest that the younger brother got his share, but the older brother also got his share. And I'm not sure that we always see it that way. We, we sometimes think that the younger brother got his share so that he could leave, and the older brother just had to, he was just expected to stay and wait. But that's, that's not what it says here. 
And we can deduce that the older brother made wiser choices with his share. He also chose to remain in his father's house and continue in obedience and righteousness. Neither one of these brothers had an unfair advantage. See, they had the same tools in their hands, but they made different choices about how to use those tools. The younger brother's choices led him to a place of brokenness and heartache and hopelessness and pain. And the older brother's choices led him to a place of hope and life in abundance. The older brother is less happy to hear of his brother's return and his father's response to his return causes that older brother to become angry. In his humanness, the older brother reacts to what seems to be an unfair situation and we can understand why he's angry. But what he doesn't realize is that this is not a competition. These brothers are not competing for their father's love or his blessing. They both have been freely given their father's love and his blessing. At times, each of them has dishonored their father with their attitudes and their actions. Certainly, the younger brother has done so to a greater extent, but it doesn't change the father's love for him. So we see in these two brothers this reality. While God's love and joy and a abundance and acceptance it's not it's not affected by our actions but because of our actions we understand that we will reap what we sow see the younger brother's actions his choices took him to a place that he would never fully recover from his disobedience his sin the time he spent walking away from the things of god would have an impact every day in his life. And now, as he is once again in his father's house, he would have that support, the love and the hope and the strength to rise from the ashes, to see wonderful things come from his life, but it won't be an easy road because our enemy, the devil, likes to come back frequently and remind us of what we used to be and, and what we used to do outside of the blood of Christ. See, there's always the enemy there to remind us. He will always take every chance he can to get the best of us and to cause us to doubt and fear and lose our peace and question our footing. And God forgives us our sins. But we do not escape the difficulty of the result of our sins. But you see, in Christ, we find the strength that we need to, to get through each day, to quiet the voice of the enemy, to continue on the path that leads to life. There is always a way back to Jesus. He gives us the tools that we need to deal with the reality of life, and we must always find our hope and our help and our provision and our security in him. The older brother is a, in this story is a picture of those of us who have always been real followers. Those who you can just always find in the Father's house doing their best to be faithful and obedient to the things of God. And all of us who live and, and walk in the kingdom of God know his love and his peace and his grace, but for those who walk most faithfully in his presence, there are different blessings that come with that obedience. So the older brother, he'd get past his anger and likely he'd feel ashamed of his reaction. 
which is a reminder of the reality that we are all human, that we all fall short of God's glory, that we all say and do things we wish we hadn't, things that don't bring healing and life, and we all have regrets that create opportunities for God to, to speak those deeper truths to our hearts and to bring us closer to him. The older brother, he'd get past that moment of frustration, and he would come to realize that because of his choices, his path would be a little more smooth, a little more productive, a little more peaceful than his younger brother's path would ever be. Truth is that when you've always walked in obedience to the things of God, there are just some things that you will not ever have to struggle with. The older brother won't have to worry about breaking free from the same demons that his brother would have to struggle against. The older brother would be the one with the greater ability to move forward because he would not always be looking back. And to him, his father says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You've always known the peace and the certainty and the hope and the mercy and the grace and the abundance and the anointing and the power and the purpose that come from walking with God. And all I have is yours, not just a, uh, the peace that you live in and the confidence you walk in, not just a portion of your, for your future, but for the foundation, the building blocks of wisdom and perspective and purpose that you have built your life on. All I have is yours, not just a portion of it. See, there are different blessings that come to those who have always just been in fellowship with the Father. And for those who come back to the Father, they too experience the reality of his love and his grace and his acceptance and blessing. And it's not less, it's just different. There's always a way back to Jesus and there is always a way forward with Jesus. Father says we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And church, let us never cease to celebrate the things that need to be celebrated. It is not a competition. It is about God and the reality of who he is. And God gives generously to all of his children and there is nothing you can do to make God love you any more and there is nothing you can do to make him love you any less. He just loves you. He rejoices over you. He longs to be with you. He throws a party to celebrate you. He runs towards you when he sees that you are finally coming home. He showers you with things that you don't deserve and could never earn. He blesses you for being the one who stays focused and follows through. He wraps you up in his arms and holds you when you are hurting and helpless. He, he keeps you in his strength as you face the difficult realities of life. He sets you back up on your feet and silences those who would criticize your brokenness. He makes straight paths before you and he gives you a safe place to rest. You see, God loves you. And so let us never cease to celebrate the things that need to be celebrated, yes? And may we always be found in Jesus. And to him be glory and honor and praise forever and forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for this day, 
for the opportunity that you've given us to come into the fellowship of believers, the opportunity that you give us to, to come encounter with your word in, in new and different ways. God, the opportunity that you give us to come to you each and every moment of each and every day. That you always stand with your arms wide open, wanting to embrace us, wanting to bless us, wanting to be in fellowship with us. God, we are so grateful for the reality of your love. God, we admit sometimes we're like the younger brother who just wants to, to go out and do it our way, and sometimes we're like the older brother who kind of resents things celebrated that we're not a part of. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have been both sides of that coin. And God, that you would help us to just dig deeper into you. That we would seek your face more. That we would know the reality of your love and your grace more in our lives. That we might show you more and more to the people around us. God, today we rejoice. For you have always welcomed each and every one of us home. And that you never cease to celebrate us. God, we thank you and we praise you for everything that you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.